All right, welcome back to the podcast today. Today we're going to be kind of continuing with our economics journeys. We look at different uh, economic systems. We look at the ways in which we support economic growth. That is our big thing today. What we need to do is look at how do we support growing our economy as a government, whether we're in a mixed economy, a command economy, or or central economy, or we're in a free market completely. What are the things that we do? Tracking our economy is a huge tool for our government. And without that, we need we don't really have an understanding of what is even happening. If we're not keeping track of what it is, then we can't fix any problems that we may see in the future. Think about it this way. Grades are a way of us tracking you. They are a way for us to say where you're at within a certain class. If we don't know your grade, we can't say, hey, listen, you need to pick it up because you're behind. Or we can't say, hey, listen, you're doing a great job. You're doing everything that you need to do. Basically, we look at economics in two ways. We look at the macroeconomics, which is this study of behavior and decision-making as one nation and their whole economy, macro meaning big. And we look at microeconomics, which is what decision do we make in the small term? What is, what is the decision that individual households, individual businesses and firms are making? What are those decisions? First of all, when we look at it, the biggest stat that you are going to ever hear when talking about the economy, and it's a little bit of a misleading stat at times, but the biggest stat that you are going to hear when looking at it is our gross domestic product. And that is the total value of all final goods and services produced within a country within a year. So how much, you know, how many cars plus how many DVDs plus how many houses plus how many whatever did somebody buy and sell within the year. And basically the way we look at the growth is, okay, if last year we did $2.7 trillion worth of business, and this year we did $2.9 trillion worth of business, then guess what? Our GDP has gone up. We are showing growth. As we show growth, that kind of allows us to do things. Now, sometimes it goes up, Sometimes it goes down, and as we produce less, the GDP goes down. This is all part of a business cycle. It is normal for everything to go up and go down. That's all part of how the situation works. Now the next thing that we have to do is try to use all this data to make predictions. We need to forecast how things are gonna go and how our GDP is going to change year in and year out and businesses need to look at it from a standpoint of saying why do we or you know as we know what is going on we need to go and kind of push push through things so as we know what's about to happen if we can make this prediction in the right way and we can make the appropriate prediction uh then as we do that we can really decide better economically how much we can spend in taxes as a government or as a business, how much we can kind of handle other things. So obviously the biggest thing that our government is trying to do and what we're trying to do every single day for each individual is we are trying to encourage maximum economic strength. We are trying to get as big as we can when it comes into our uh, economy and how we use things within the economy. All of these things are a way of measure our standard of living. Okay, so our standard of living is our gross domestic product divided by our total population. That is what our standard, 
our standard of living actually is. So with standard of living, there's several things that are not included within that. That's our education level, our poverty level, our income inequality, our health measures. So what that means is we are literally looking at an average of what people make instead of looking at individuals and how that success works individually. So with standard of living, it's taking me and LeBron James taking his salary to mine, adding them together and dividing it by two between two people. That means according to that, my standard of living is that I make approximately $12 million a year. That's not truly my standard of living though. I'm nowhere close to that. I'm not even in hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. I'm in, I'm barely scraping by. But if we're comparing things that way, we're putting in this. So this is taking every Bill Gates and every billionaire out there and every bum and combining them all together. That's what income inequality is, which is why standard of living becomes a very tricky way of looking at things is it doesn't factor in a lot of ways in which we do things in our, in our country. So on top of that though, what is we're encouraging this economic strength, one of the biggest things for any government economic policy is to make sure that we have what's called maximum employment. Uh, maximum employment means that our unemployment rate is anywhere from four to six percent. That proves that you have a healthy economy. The reason it's not 100% is because it is impossible to guarantee that every single person can have a job. And so they wanted to set up a number that was realistic. Also a part of encouraging our economic strength is that we need to have this growing economy. We need to keep pushing to have more and more money for us to do things. We need to prove that we are stable and at least staying somewhat consistent within our own platform so that we can do that. The other sign that we look at is our market and our financial market. And that's where it gets confusing because we look at things such as the stock market and we say, look, the Dow Jones is going up. But what does that really mean for you or I? You or I as middle-class Americans, what are we receiving when the Dow Jones goes up? If I don't own stocks, that number means nothing to me. That's a part that people get confused. We look at President Trump and we say, look, look at how great Trump is doing with the economy. The market is great. Right, so the rich are getting richer on that. The middle class still struggles in the middle because most of the time the middle class can't afford to buy the stocks that's gonna make them rich because the, the market keeps going up, so only the rich can buy the stocks, so they their wealth expands. Well, everybody in the middle kind of, their wealth shrinks. The other part that they start to look at is how productive are we with technology inside our economy? Uh, improving technology, improving these things are key factors in making sure that we have you know, this increasing GDP, that we become more efficient. But it's also a negative too. As we incur, as we encourage uh, technology, technological growth, growth and innovation and new ideas, some of the negative sides of encouraging all that growth and everything like that is if we get better machines to work in factories, we don't need people to do it anymore. If we don't need people to do it anymore, that means there's less jobs. And if there's less jobs, that means, you know, a ton of things for the rest of our economy. When I was in high school, you were basically given three options after you graduated. And this was only, you know, I graduated 13 years ago. And your options were you go work at a factory, you go to college, or you join the military. 
Anybody can do all three of those things. Today, that option of a factory is a tricky one because those factory jobs, I can't guarantee will be here in 20 years. That becomes the problem. As much as our government can encourage incentives and innovation and all this economic growth, the biggest thing that has ever uh, helped our economy more than that is that Americans typically have a good work ethic. We believe in a lot of situations that if you work hard, you can achieve anything. And because we have that belief that you can work hard, you can achieve anything, that means it doesn't matter where you started, you get there. I'll use LeBron James again. LeBron James came from a family, a very poor family, that had nothing. LeBron James has some natural gifts that, that you can't teach. You can't teach six foot nine. You can't teach a body that can put on 270 pounds and not fall apart and still be able to jump through the roof. Those are things you can't teach. But to be good at basketball and to have a skill like that, you need to work hard. And he didn't just work hard on the court. He worked hard in the classroom as well. He was an all-state all academic player. He had a 3.8 high school GPA. He made sure that he knew how to articulate himself because he knew all eyes were going to be on this kid from Akron. That can be our story. That can be what we become. We have the economic procedures that are in there. We just need to finalize it ourselves. As much as people think people are out to get you, everybody wants to see you succeed and they want to see you make it. On that note, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. I hope these are helping. Uh, that's the goal of this is to help and make sure we keep everything up to date. Please, please let me know. Give me feedback. Extra credit available to doing feedback. Proof of listening will be extra credit every single time. And have a great, wonderful day. Be safe.